0: with recognizing faces like if someone just walks up to you.
1: Um it takes me a minute to mm-hmm. be honest. I'm not terrible mm-hmm. at it, but I'm not right. bad at it. I mean, you know how I am with names. I feel like names are my strong suit. As long as I mm-hmm. am aware of yeah. who I'm talking to and I like if mm-hmm. you say your name to me and I say it back or I say it in my head, I'll like remember it forever. I don't know what's up with that.
0: Right. It's weird with me because there's a lot of visual stuff I will remember before I remember a name. Interesting. And yet I am very bad with faces. Hmm. Hmm. I, my friend uh, Kate introduced me to her boyfriend multiple times, uh, to which the boyfriend reminded me that we had met before. Oh, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I do not have confidence that I recognize somebody because I've been very wrong before and it was excruciating. Oh, no. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm working retail again. Mm-hmm. Um I'm working at a uh a kind of fancy paper stationery and pen store in Ooh. uh Harvard Square in Boston. You know, and there's a lot of people coming in and out. Uh, it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty significant location mm, for that store. Bustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like we had to sit through this god awful Zoom seminar uh, on uh, on all sorts of tips and tricks for selling stuff, and oh, it's like, make sure there's no trash on the floor. Say hi <laughs> to the customers, and it's like, why are we in this? And then the person, um, giving the presentation kept pronouncing etiquette as etiquette. Oh, no, says to me that maybe they've never heard the word etiquette before, or they've only ever read it. Um, but nobody ever corrected that. And Mm. etiquette has been ringing in my head for like the past week now. But anyways, A couple days after that um i am engaging with the customer right (laughs) um and then another customer walks in and Uh i look up and i doubt myself at i i am doubting who i believe i am seeing in front of me and i think that can't be them oh no because i am i'm probably wrong and then they kind of turn around. They do a lap around the store and leave. I think I said hi to them. They seem to want to be left alone. And then I realized that was Conan O'Brien. But no. <laughs> yes. Are you serious? And, and my. Yes, I'm absolutely serious. I was three feet from Conan O'Brien and said nothing. <laughs> oh, uh, That's and then I, insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah and my first thought cuz my my coworker came back from her break and I was like, I think I just saw Conan O'Brien. And she's like, Are you serious? I was like, I don't know if it was him. He was really tall. And then we Google Conan O'Brien's height, 6'4. I was like, oh, that was Conan O'Brien. Oh my god. <laughs> For some reason that convinced me. Yeah. Like, my God,
1: his size. He matched was up. tall.
0: He was tall.
1: It, not the hair, not the posture. Not or the anything. Inc-
0: not the incredibly distinct <laughs> and famous face. Yeah.
1: Oh Conan my o- God! Who
0: that? Who on earth even <laughs> looks like Conan O'Brien? I I don't know.
1: So he just he just moseyed on in, maybe threw some trash on the ground, did you know, did his thing, and it just
0: <laughs> just yeah, to <just> scare away <laughs> their customers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and it didn't even end that day because later that night I went out to do trivia with Ooh. some friends of mine um, at uh, one of the local things in Brookline. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find out, uh, Conan, actually, uh, native of Brookline. Oh,
1: there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. I saw him and his son walking around later on my lunch break. Again, didn't say anything to him.
1: You know, you didn't Um, want to
0: disturb his day. That's valid. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't want to bother him. I didn't want to bother him. Um, so anyways, I... I've had that realization. And then later I find myself at bar trivia and I am by myself because I'm realized I am the first of my friends to get there and Uh none of them have saved the table. So Mm. I'm there fighting for, uh, as many seats as I can get at the bar. Um, and I have to hold the team together basically for the first round. But the, the upside of this, I got to name the team. I went with God's, I went with Godzilla. Oh nice. Thanks. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I kept I kept drawing uh, Godzilla but with like f- uh four sale signs. Oh, that's funny. Next to him. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so then uh, the, the first round I do okay by myself and then they start the second round and I'm mm. still by myself. And the second round is pictures. They pass out um these printed uh, things of all of these celebrities that were at some award show. And hmm. you have to write the name of the person. The only person on this page that I recognize initially is um, Tracy Morgan.
1: Oh, wow. Uh,
0: who I only really know because I watched 30 Rock religiously for, for many years. Valid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had also a super unique face, you know. Yeah, remember that. You got to remember that face. And then there's nobody else on this list that Mm. I recognize. I'm staring at it. I'm wait. I'm I keep checking my phone. I'm trying to make it look like I'm not cheating. But also I'm like where I'm like texting people. I'm like, where are you? I'm dying. (laughs) There's like 10 pictures here of people that I don't recognize. We're losing them. Yes, yes. Um, and then there's one person like, wait a second, I know who that is. That's Trey cool, the drummer from Green Day. So I write that. And then finally, um, one of my friends shows up, sits down next to me. I hand him the paper. I'm like, please, for the love of God, save us. (laughs) Uh, and he's like, why did you write Trey cool under Gronkowski? Uh. I, he's like, you will get in trouble in Massachusetts if you do not recognize (laughs) Gronk. Oh, no. I confused Gronk for Trey Cool.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, no. Well, that was a crisis avoided then, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really
1: thought that was going to wrap a nice bow on this story by saying that it was actually Conan O'Brien that was on the (laughs) (laughs) list. That would have been freaky. That would have been too much.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, Well, I so this is a long way of saying I don't always trust my own judgment. Eh, Fair enough, I guess. But I I, know how to pronounce the word etiquette. So
1: that's that's really what's important
0: here. Mm -hmm, At the mm -hmm. end of it. So speaking of uh, questionable judgment, Mm -hmm. uh. Today in the Uncanny County Museum, we find ourselves in the Hall of Bad Art. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do, in fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can look around. We got a lot of neat stuff on loan. We've got Knights by Michelangelo. We've <laughs> mm-hmm. got uh, the Allegory of the Stoned uh, Surgery uh, by Rembrandt over there. Uh, we even have this um, weirdly hated uh, Monet painting uh, that you know seems to be a sub uh, Bob Ross background with some wacky uh, perspective choices. Yeah,
1: it's definitely a choice um, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, 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 what happens like when when you think of? how we try to contextualize works of great artists mm-hmm. it, we inevitably start ranking them i mean yeah where there how do you kind of like find yourself like looking at is is this bad art or do i just right. know who this is so i immediately instill it with value beyond uh its execution
1: um, I think it's a difficult terrain to navigate, to be honest. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it, though, comes out of the context of the work because there is objectively um, bad artworks done by good artists that obviously get better because everybody has an off day. And then there's also right. artworks done by artists that then reveal themselves to be bad and I feel like that is a whole different mm. can of worms too. But anyway, and going back to this, like I, I think, I don't. I, I think when we have to look at somebody's practice, you do have to encompass everything they make, um, regardless yeah. of how much you hate or like it. Like kind of like with mm-hmm. Andy Warhol as an example, just pulling yeah. really randomly out. Mm-hmm. Like it's very easy to not like it, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't yeah. know the history, or if you, if you're just you know only a realist painter and that's all you like or if you Mm -hmm. only like you know french um impression paintings or impressionist paintings it's like easy to not like that and i can understand it but Mm -hmm. i think when you pair it against everything he's made you know there's a lot there to pull from that's also very interesting maybe one or two of his works could be bad of course but there's a lot there um Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. he falls also into the category of just you know aggressive individuals but i i yes. think it's i think it's what i'm getting at with all of this is i think it's kind of difficult in all honesty mm-hmm. because you're stuck with this idea of like you know they made some amazing masterpieces you know like michelangelo's made mm-hmm. some amazing incredible works of art that are very important obviously but he does he did mess up breasts a lot you know <laughs> and we I have don't... to knock some points could, off could you
0: see them at the vatican and they're like Michelangelo, have you ever seen a woman's breast? Well, of course i have. Of course, of course. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> have you?
1: <laughs> you know for a fact he was aggressively rude about it. Like he was like oh, What do you I, mean? Of
0: course, of course.
1: Michelangelo the gaslighter.
0: I'm I'm so straight. I just I just <laughs> of, co- of course of I, course I, I I saw five breasts this morning. What five? A- <laughs>
1: oh god yeah i <sighs> if we had a time mm-hmm. machine i want to go see mm-hmm. what i'd just be curious what he was like it's probably annoying to be honest
0: <laughs> i i picture him as very very gloomy um valid mm, i i think what you touched on context is important but even someone like andy warhol you could easily see someone uh, saying, oh, well, I like the early work, because there's definitely mm-hmm. a narrative to a lot of the artists of that generation that they start with something with pretty broad appeal, become famous, and then start experimenting. Yeah, for sure. hmm And in... Or... Then there's also the flip side of that, which happened with a lot of artists of that generation, that they made something very meaningful and resonated with people on the fringes or people that felt like they were outcasts and then started making work that was more commercial. Yes. Uh, And, you know, in both of these cases, we feel like those artists sold out. And that feels like... It's pretty easy for us to write it off and right. say, you know, this artist that was capable of so much made bad work. Uh-huh. And I'm always kind of curious about that because, you know, what, what, uh, do, if you are like truly involved in the creative process, uh, you, you probably do get bored making the same thing over and over again. So I don't I think we say, should hold... Yeah. We shouldn't hold artists, uh, you know, to the fire because they decided to make something different. Yeah. And I feel like that is the root of a lot of this type... Uh, a lot of those criticisms, you know? Right. And not that I don't think people sold out, people, you know, didn't... There's always there's always that point that everyone wants to point to that that's when they jumped the shark, you know, that, yeah, that there's a certain point where this stuff stopped being as creative as it was before. Yeah. And, and, and it couldn't go in either of those directions I mentioned earlier. I think what's interesting now is when we find something we dislike that an artist puts out, I think there's an another option that's come up that, Oh, well maybe they were bad all along and they were Mm. just like, this was like some long elaborate hoax on the public that we thought that this was, we, we, that we were tricked into thinking they were good. Right. Uh, because they finally made something that revealed that they are actually bad and that can be something uh, that yeah. was a response to the quality of a later work or in a lot of cases honestly right now it's a reaction to <laughs> uh the the uh, a more personal uh r- revelation about that artist um
1: yeah for sure i i think that that can be i think that that can be a bit <sighs> problematic to a certain degree mm-hmm. right like if somebody if you know someone's an artist's work for one thing and then all of a sudden they make something different and you're like, God, they're just bad. I (laughs) think that that's a bit of a bold statement to make. And this is, Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking about like, just the work itself i'm not right because obviously there's cases where like you know it look at like orson scott card or something right like the author who it's like you're like ender's game's so good and then they reveal their hand and you're like
0: oh i don't know uh
1: but that's a whole thing you know But
0: the the thing about orson scott card that's so odd and this is low-hanging fruit but let's compare to jk rowling right uh or jk tolkien uh as as, (laughs) (laughs) jkr jkr martin Mm -hmm. um the 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 thing about orson scott card is you know who is who involved himself much less in the aftermath of ender's game than jk rowling did in the aftermath of harry potter right right Orson Scott Card, I think, puzzled everybody because Ender's Game seemed to be almost, um... What's the word? Uh, Ender's Game seemed to be almost uh, contrary to the uh, beliefs and revelations we had about Orson Scott Card. That's kind of wild, In sort of a similar way that I think uh, people are still perplexed by the racism of H.P. Lovecraft Uh, and yet H.P. Lovecraft seemed to write uh, works that, you know, some of them certainly uh, playing off of uh, the idea of monstrous, uh, you know, not quite humans, yet also have a lot of tones that still resonate with people like feeling like the world is broken and that (laughs) There Hmm. there must be more to it. There's yeah, there's all of these conflicts we have when we get it from J.K. Rowling, and maybe this is because she's still alive and so active on social media. uh, You know, she's had some bad takes, but also not really produced anything of quality since Harry Potter we've wanted to look back and say it was bad all along harry potter is irredeemable and it's difficult to kind of uh to understand like our feelings about it because there's people that have much i think people with much longer careers and much more of a presence in the culture Mm. that i don't want to say we forgive but we're going to have a heck of a more of a reckoning with when we want to yeah. confront those things. I'm thinking of maybe Michael Jackson. Uh, yeah. Whose music. I don't I didn't particularly like to begin with. I. I kind of don't like the way it sounds in a lot of ways, uh, but, you know, it, I understand his music was hugely important to a lot of people. Yeah, but for sure. You know, I I hear the lyrics to Man in the Mirror, you know, sometimes, because mm-hmm. it, it, it still comes on everywhere. Sure. And I'm like, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious to listen <laughs> to. Because <laughs> you're yeah. like, like that beginning part where he's like, oh, gonna make a difference. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be real good. Cool. Gonna make a difference. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you're like, this is hilarious yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Right, i uh, I, yeah i i kind of it's like i want some i wonder if anybody in the booth was like this is fine right like is he just kind of going off yeah okay eh, all right Mm -hmm. um i i often wonder that about how things get passed
0: um yeah, a lot of so levels of, of of approval. But I mean, I, what? You're going to say no to Michael Jackson in his prime? I mean, I guess not, right? <laughs> in this sense. Michael Jackson is sitting there. You're listening to Man in the Mirror. The the genius behind Thriller is sitting right there and you're 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 going to say no? He's sitting there with you know Macaulay Culkin and a chimpanzee uh, and yeah. a and a video cassette tape that says "Best of Neverland Ranch," you know, yeah. and and yeah. you're you're gonna say no to Michael in front of Macaulay.
1: We needed somebody too. <laughs> <laughs> bold take, bold take, but I I think I think oh god, yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I, I think it's. It's interesting what you're saying, you know, in regards to to all of this. And I think, you know, what what I was trying to get at as well is looking at an artist's entire practice and basing whether it's good or bad off of that mm. might be important more than we think it is. And you know, you know what it is? It's the difference between an, a musician who makes a greatest hit album, right? Mm-hmm. That ends up getting known for like like the one that one hit wonder right like the flock right. of seagulls if you will um, a, a real or, or the outfield e- exactly mm-hmm. or you know you're somebody that was really famous for making good albums and then you have the one that just maybe didn't work out and mm-hmm. then it just fails like i think uh, you know one one way i look at that is when like you're listening to a musician who um you know like like okay just to for some context like i think like imagine dragons who say mm. what you will you know personally i i could take it or leave it but you know their one album i think it was their first one? night visions night, but yeah it was good right mm-hmm. like that the one with it's time on it was a bop it was a good album yeah. i will give yeah. it a solid rating i mean it's still a yeah. little generic but it was good and yeah. then they just decided to not be that way. But that's also subjective because I might have liked it, but I might be projecting my own vision of what I thought they've that band was. They've continued
0: being incredibly successful since then.
1: Yeah, and diverse. I mean, I will say mm-hmm. this, and you know, I've had discussions with people who like their music a lot, and it's like they've changed They change genres so much it somehow works for them mm-hmm, with their mm-hmm. fan base because I think they know, or their whoever runs them knows, what will work and maybe maybe, there's something to also just saying like we're gonna do this thing because we want to do it it feels right Mm -hmm. and then they make Mm -hmm. something amazing right like i mean that happens i think in art anyway so i i Mm -hmm. don't really believe like i think maybe in our own public sphere of how we view contemporary art but even like classics this happens more with classics i feel like Mm -hmm. where there's the greatest hit lists of like our greatest hits not hit list, jesus greatest hits <laughs> um, who's, um, on your, who's on your greatest hit list no one i
0: i don't oh god um hi there my name is colby white and i'm one of the hosts from force football facts a podcast where my friend zachary and i force our other friend tyrell to give us insights into the game even though he doesn't know anything about it we use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, ForceFootballFacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon.
1: You know, like, who? you know, who's on this, this, um what are the classics you know so we have like michelangelo's yeah. work you have leonardo you have every western european artist you can name because that's what everybody seems to be drawn to you know wink wink nudge nudge i think
0: i think you and i are in an awkward position if we want to start criticizing non-western art not that i not yeah, that we yeah. don't want to i just think we well like i mean that's an example right there of, yeah true we aren't and we can't really be always 100 percent aware of what we are criticizing, because even if you yeah. when you criticize something that means a lot to uh, to a group of people, it's kind of uh, it it can it raises a lot of emotions for people and you can yeah. maybe be accused of not understanding. And, you know, maybe you don't. Maybe mm-hmm. if if you're if you're watching a movie and just absolutely perplexed by why is this movie so popular but if it really resonates with maybe a group of marginalized people for whatever reason it's difficult to kind of come out and criticize it you know yeah i mean even looking at and i don't even know if it even really resonated with anybody because i i really have never heard anything uh since about it but I mean I think we can mention Lindsay Ellis criticizing Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. You know, and the bizarre uh you know, quote unquote canceling of her on Twitter yeah. because she made I think a pretty blatant observation about it. Mm. Uh so so it it there, there it's not without, you know, fraught terrain if you if you Mm -hmm. want to criticize stuff like that but we're certainly more in a position to criticize western art maybe because we are you know just two american dudes
1: (laughs) well i also Uh, think that's our that's our like quote-unquote culture right like and not in a way of isolating anybody's perspectives and obviously like the western uh, you know gaze on art making and 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 what is good and what is not has been in the center for far too long obviously and yeah and and, and um i think it's important to call that out but at the same time like you know we we're, we're joking about making fun of these works and like i can yeah. i can make fun of michelangelo and all these things as much as i want and and also say how it's important but at the same time like joe
0: joe what why why do you hate the gaze? you you dare Whoa, you that's dare a criti- leap and you a di- jump di- there. Di- you dare criticize one of the greatest gay artists of all time a man who was so gay he couldn't even ask it, you, you,
1: you
0: don't, he couldn't even charm uh, a a a woman to pose he he would rather uh stick fake breasts on a very clearly male body and sculpt that instead
1: it was an artistic decision clearly um <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i just
1: but i but i think too like it's an it's an it's important to contextualize that because it would be you know it, it i also feel like if we did you know if we mm-hmm. were improperly judging an artwork maybe we didn't understand because we don't come from that specific perspective or culture mm-hmm. right yeah yeah that's just being european all over again right just being colonist like colonizers At the end of the day, of not understanding a tradition and and then just like, (laughs) you know, making fun of it, quote unquote. And Mm -hmm, then, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Also, Mm -hmm. you know what? Like, listen, Lindsay Ellis's points were pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I I did kind of agree with a lot of that. I did watch the movie. It's not that bad. Like, it's bad, but it's not that bad. Like, people were, (laughs) like, really harsh about it and people were way too positive about it. I left that and I said, you know what? This was good this was a nice mm-hmm. message i also think uh that they got their funding cut and that movie was rushed. Uh, i think disney did them dirty and i think we should be pointing mm-hmm, fingers at mm-hmm. them because there's right. a plot there is a legitimate part of that movie missing so i mm-hmm. want the full tape give me the full release because there, right. there has to be release
0: there's... the snyder cut
1: yeah please
0: in in the a- case raya of Ryan the, Loss. raya the last dragon is yeah. it raya and the last dragon or raya the last dragon no
1: raya and the last dragon ah, okay okay yeah not bad
0: um yeah, but I I, I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier, and that is like, especially in America, this may be true elsewhere, but I feel like this uh-huh. is particularly like an American, especially like very Hollywood uh, type of idea for, for better or for worse. But whenever an artist, an actor, someone comes out with someone and they've had a very long career, you're right. We do tend to want to look at it in the context of their work. Uh, you know, if you're watching, like, later John Wayne, where, you know, there's not a ton he can do, because he's, you know, he's older, he's he's a little limited. Yeah. uh, But he sort of stands there on the shoulders of all of his previous accomplishments. He stands there and has the gravitas of, this is a great actor, you know, this is a great legendary actor, and he is standing there with all that he has accomplished and done and you know there's certainly a lot of actors that in their older age you know kind of had smaller parts in in movies you know like i think like a contemporary Mm -hmm. now would be you know anytime like uh robert de niro shows up in something
1: uh yeah
0: you know actors like that who are who who did a lot of great work don't really put out a lot of stuff now they'll put you know they might be like in a in a role that's almost for comedy but they sort of just are there and you're not watching them as a character you're watching them as oh robert de niro is here and he carries all of this uh importance because of uh because of who he is to American cinema, you know, if yes, Jack Nicholson suddenly shows up, uh, you know, yeah, this is, yeah. th- that's, that's sort of the, uh, th- the feeling that we have and people who are allowed to have long careers for one reason or another, you know, that don't get blacklisted, don't have a, you know, crucial career misstep or something where a l- we are permitted to look at their work as a whole. I think you and I you and I differ a bit on this, but I think it's worth it's worth it that we finally have the conversation of the discography of one Robert Zimmerman, better known to the world as Bob Dylan. Mm. Oh mm-hmm. man. <laughs> this yes. is what the people have been waiting for. This is for. it. This
1: is what we've been preparing for. Um, Yes. So
0: you and I, Dylan, is an artist that famously has many different eras, right? Of where he changed very for the time drastically changed style, and which upset and alienated a lot of his fans. When we look back at it now, we can totally see the arc of his work. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not really shocked by any of it because, also now with just how diverse music is, we see it follow the patterns of someone navigating the uh, blues and folk-oriented rock of the twentieth century. Uh-huh. Um, but even we we have to put ourselves in the mindset of Bob Dylan walking on stage holding an electric guitar. And that making the audience boo and throw things and just be genuinely upset that he was going into rock, which they saw as commercial and selling out. And Bob Dylan wants them to listen to the lyrics that I'm still, I'm still writing songs, uh, that, that are, that are covering these same topics that you've always loved. But I'm looking at things through a new lens and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so Dylan, you know, has the, his, his folk scene. He, you know, quote unquote goes electric. He is playing <laughs> with a band. It's no longer just him on stage with his acoustic guitar and harmonica. Um, he, you know, transitions in and out of that afterwards. He, you know, releases uh, a lot of stuff and then eventually has his uh, born again, Christian phase, yeah,
1: that's a whole thing. Uh, I still
0: know the Yeah, it, and hey. then and then goes back to uh, after about three years, goes back to uh, Judaism, uh, proclaiming that hey, Jesus only preached for three years. I mean, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: My, um, a, a messianic figure. Now, so <laughs> where where are you with your familiarity of Dylan? So
1: I think for me, you know, it. Bob Dylan was somebody I had to discover on my own even though I was brought up mm-hmm. on classic rock. You know, I heard a lot of his songs through that. And mm-hmm. my you know, like it's funny because one of the first I did was I think um oh, it's from Blood on the Tracks and I, Tangled Up in the Blue. And Tangled I did blue. Yeah. I didn't like it at a younger age, like at all. Hmm. But now I do and I do appreciate it a lot actually. It's a mm-hmm. good song mm-hmm. and I and I can say but I think for me, you know, I, I really, really like the times they are changing that album. And right. it, it is so good. I mean, I've listened to it so many times. Like, I like that kind of music, though, a lot. Like, mm-hmm, I did mm-hmm. enjoy this folksy, you know, guy with a guitar, like, just yeah. saying some really interesting things. But also just the rawness. Like, I do enjoy mm-hmm, music mm-hmm. that is just, like, it, could, it doesn't even have to be lyrically good. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear the like emotion. So I right. feel like for me that was so important, but and, and it's why I wasn't the biggest. Well when fan. it's when it's
0: coming when it's coming from one person, like and yeah. Dylan's sound was so stripped down to just one person. Yes. You don't feel the layers of production
1: and exactly, that exactly. that
0: rawness you touched on is is very evident because yeah. you're it's not really like even someone like contemporary, like Ed Sheeran, who you mm-hmm. know doesn't necessarily write, you know, and you know, whatever your your feelings are on Ed Sheeran, I don't think he's trying to be Dylan. But a big part of Ed Sheeran's career, at least for a time, was him performing by himself with a loop pedal, uh, and oh, I that, about that, yeah, yeah, and that and that he was this this one man. Orchestra, you know, d- doing his uh his songs, you know. Uh, yeah. He he had he had a good voice. He could, uh, you know, he he also like had that bit of edge to him that he could rap moderately fast. Oh, uh, yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> He's an yeah. interesting character. Downtown making a new sound. Yeah. You know? I still think it's a
1: little too. Compared to, like, old Dylan, let's say, it's still Mm -hmm. a little, like, Ed Sheeran is a person that would still be a bit more, like, like it's clean, right? Like, in the sense of how it's produced. And that's not a bad thing. Like, highly, Mm -hmm. you know, high-fidelity records, you know, that's not a bad thing. I I don't want to sit here and say, like, "Um, good music is only recorded through a cell phone, like, six feet away. (laughs) Like, no. All right? It doesn't... (laughs) Because there's something to be said about amazing production on an album. I'm thinking Beach mm-hmm. Boys. You know, like Pet Sounds is right. one of the best albums of all time. I'm sorry, but it's so good. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think I think a, a good, an interesting contemporary for older Bob Dylan songs would be like Field Medic. If you've ever heard mm, his work, interesting. it's really interesting with that. And also, yeah. I just like the fact that he admits that he just records off of like one of those <laughs> older like cassette tape players so just to get Uh, that like that analog noise i love it it's great but like Mm -hmm. or or like even maybe early alex g or something but not as no i don't think so actually that's not folksy enough but anyway like Mm -hmm. i also think like highway 61 is a really good album and i know that's like Mm -hmm. renowned and it's super famous and maybe i'm just being like you know cherry Mm -hmm. picking or something but it's very good and it's very you know, it, it is a driving it, it's, album. It's not
0: like it's always the number one album. Anytime Rolling Stone does a a countdown of like greatest albums, it's
1: on. No, it it, it is. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, oh, yeah,
0: okay. yeah. No, it it always it always. It's is.
1: literally like, and I and I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's out of the ten greatest albums throughout history. I don't know. I mean, it's good, but I don't yeah. Know. You know what I
0: mean? It's so i i like looking at these things holistically and i think I, my introduction to dylan would have been like the blood on the tracks era oh um, interesting yeah. so like shelter from the storm might be my favorite bob dylan song mm. uh and and it is off that album uh and then my introduction to dylan was also through the band so it would have been that right. era right of dylan as well um and and t- for me to like really understand who Dylan was uh and i think you know i my mom had like one of the like greatest hits albums you know that skimmed through it all there was like a lay lady lay was on that album oh that's yeah but I mean. also importantly i think to me at a very young age hurricane was on that album right and hurricane is interesting because it is from dylan's christian era which i think you know you say this rock star had a christian era we are immediately like "Mm, nope not coming for that first of all i think dylan had some incredibly interesting uh religious music i mean even you gotta serve somebody is such a such an interesting song Mm -hmm. and in a good song too In that, you know, Dylan is not drawing, you know, differently from other Christian artists, he is not saying you have to be specific. He says you just have to serve somebody, whether that you think that is your religion or maybe the uh, or maybe there is some master that you are serving that you aren't even aware Uh, that you are beholden to. And yeah and that is that's Dylan right there Dylan was doing religious music, but it was still dylan right um but but going back to hurricane hurricane and and the story specifically of uh the hurricane Reuben Carter the boxer uh that is that was kind of you know and in the world I was growing up in where that was not necessarily uh what was talked about or necessarily self-evident to me, you know, the 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 racism uh in the United States, Dylan was my exposure to mm. that. This mm. this time capsule that did not that unlike a lot of other classic rock that I would listen to was not painting the 60s and 70s as this idyllic party lovey dovey time and you know that I I had to ask like what is this song about? Why is this man being thrown in jail for a crime he didn't commit? Right. Cause it's it, it's a narrative song and a very explicitly narrative song. And it's it's it, it it was it was my opening to that. And mm. to that and to that world that felt far away that felt like, you know, that, um, that, that would not have yet been evident to me about American society. And you can say all kinds of things like that, you know, that's just my own privilege of how I grew up, but it still was some kind of exposure for me. And I can't discount that. Yeah. You know, that it, opened me up to criticality and that it opened me up to other things. I, I kind of can't, uh, I, I can't kind of remove myself from that Genesis moment of it, you know, cause otherwise it's not like, you know, my, my parents were listening to NWA or, uh, <laughs> right. you, you know, I, I wasn't listening to that much war uh yeah so it's it's i I have to give it credit there
1: yeah i mean i think that just shows to the power within that Mm -hmm. um and you know i i think i think for me i've had to do a lot of even self-reflecting on what kind of music I use I I've liked and I find myself drawn mm-hmm. to. Because, you mm-hmm. know, I, I and this is a terrible example, but I do think back to that horrible movie The Apple. And this in this <laughs> in this way of Yeah, I know. Uh in this way of of portraying like disco as the enemy and mm-hmm. rock uh, like folk rock as the heroics. And, right. you, and and in American culture too, I think we do that. You know, mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. there is there that that in there lies the explanation as well of this like this aggression towards Dylan moving towards electric, and and you know because I I, right. I think about this debate a lot even in myself mm-hmm. because I like experimental music I like things mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. and I like electronic music specifically as well but also hip hop and other things and mostly hip hop honestly at this point and and folk music yeah. so it's like weird because. I take all these genres I love and they all counter, they're all just different from one another. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I think it's important to be aware as well of when people are aggressively annoyed at Mm -hmm. somebody for making something that they wanted to do, right? And so for me, like, you know, I would never be I mean, I like to joke with you about it because it's funny, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I would sit here and be like, you are wrong. Dylan was only good when he had an acoustic guitar and a harmonica, and they put him on stage with one microphone. Like, oh my God. Like, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. It's like somebody saying that country music is the best thing ever invented, and I'm like, all right, slow your roll there, guy. Like, there's a lot of things. There's a lot we have to do. D- decode in modern day country music that i feel like everybody's right. ignoring and it's like you know but i'm also not going to sit here and say you you know you can't listen to that type of music forget like now you know everybody yeah. has thing they like
0: yeah and i i think but but in sort of talking about all of this it's like we want to look for the context of all of this work and we're also in a generation right now that is very critically evaluating everything that was important to. The generations prior to us and the uh the problems of previous generations we feel uh will would be evident and represented in the media the art that they liked
1: yeah definitely
0: and even if it's like a band that is explicitly not right wing i'm thinking of a certain legendary irish rock band uh that on September 9th 2014 uh dropped an album that nobody asked for onto everybody's iTunes account um it, it, yeah we we got to talk about uh Songs of Innocence by U2. U2 went from being, you know, I think and I think always there had been like some there had been like jokes about at U2's expense. U2 you two self seriousness, I don't think um, I don't think has aged particularly well, especially in a time where we were so cynical. Yes, but I yeah. think that was the nail in the coffin where you two now is kind of a punchline to a lot of people as, and a younger generation uh,
1: because yeah.
0: of that album and the self-seriousness and the self-importance that we feel U2 has always had about themselves. You know, Bono waving a flag on stage while performing Sunday, Bloody Sunday, even though I I think it's a genuinely haunting song. The first oh, time yeah. I... The first time I heard it, I was like legitimately scared, I think. Like that yeah. was the feeling I had. And but now it's like I I still enjoy a lot of that music. But like, you know, you kind of like when it comes on the radio, you're like smirk. You're like, huh, you, you too, you yeah. know, <laughs> I uh, yeah, they yeah, are. And, yeah, uh-huh. it's 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 just it's difficult compared yeah. to it, it's difficult to figure out how we feel about those things that were are very important and very serious and then it can kind of it it can slowly gradually turn you know something like that rather than sort of like the breakneck speed at which you know we want to recontextualize everything that Lin Manuel Miranda ever made because yeah you know people people have criticisms of him and his work some of it I think unfair but honestly, I, I I don't have that much stake in the game because I was never really that much of a fan to begin with. But yeah, it's, same. It's it's one of those things. that got big really fast in a very specific moment in a certain time, and then there was just eventually the tide just tipped in the other direction.
1: I think that's also the problem of 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 not thinking something through. But at the same time. I don't. We live in a in a time where that is now at the forefront, right? So Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I think if we're thinking about the same thing of a certain history, I think it was well meant, and it just didn't hold up. But at the same time, it is a bigger thing of the history of musical theater Mm -hmm, and its mm -hmm. constant battle with Mm -hmm. with racism within, as well as how Mm -hmm. it represents certain situations. So I think that that's. I think it's valid some of the criticisms mm, on that mm. most of the criticisms on that some mm-hmm. of the more recent ones I don't have a, I just kind of let up I will I will believe people who say that there is a problem with this and they provide a solid amount of things here's, and I'm like you know what I yeah. think you know more than me like you would know more yeah. than me in this situation specifically
0: Yeah here's here's my take here's my my hot take on Hamilton okay I think there was an interesting point to it, where you know people were so engaged with it and were engaged with American history, and Hamilton did not shy away from talking about uh how big of an issue slavery was, how that it was it was something that was debated, it was something that was a part of the conversation, and by having a you know sort of blind multiracial cast. Uh, that you know basically said hey we are all a part of this story let's look at this let's look at this history uh uh-huh. and and with all of its problems and try to see the very human and flawed characters that existed within it I think that's a really remarkable attempt I think sure. that is a that is a very uh that That's kind of a bold thing to take a swing at. You're going to say, we're going to try to look at these flawed people as people that we could potentially uh, make the same mistakes as. Yeah. And then somewhere around the point where people got really into uh, shipping people and yeah. identifying so hard with you know people that owned other human beings and unfortunately once it sort of entered that fandom sphere it becomes so all of that I feel like is lost and I honestly kind of feel like it was it was it was death by autoerotic asphyxiation like it was it suffocated itself uh yeah out of its own message and it 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 doesn't and and i think that's inevitably why we feel like this was this was the fall of a of a piece of art Mm -hmm. that was made and that we want to look back and say oh well it was all bad all along yeah like like there was some kind of revelation to us you know, and and this is, you know, I look back on like the work of because I actually was uh listened to an artist talk by um, Suko, who's a uh, British mm. artist. She does like a lot of printmaking stuff. Oh, okay a lot of stuff kind of like, you know, sort of meant to look like political cartoons. And I was looking at some of the work and was interested in some of it. A lot of it kind of seemed super obvious to me. And then I heard her speak and I decided, oh no, all of this is awful. Oh, uh, And I could not understand how her career had lasted so long with all of her work being so bad. Uh, interesting. And I was legitimately perplexed as to what the significance of this person was and it might just be something I'm missing, some part of that story, some part of that context, but I, it was lost mm. on me completely, uh, especially after hearing her talk uh, and and hearing yeah. what, she, what she had to say. It really did not impress me, and it really rubbed me the, long, the wrong way, that this was an artist that had been through so much and had seen so much and still seem to be making work that felt like uh, an angsty high school student. And not even in a fun way, not even in an yeah. over-the-top way. If nothing, it was like, if you want to make, like, immature-feeling work, you got to go for it. This just feels so earnestly immature.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely worth those who are with us to, to look at these, because it's... Mm-hmm. It contextualizes a lot of what you're saying, Zam. Because I definitely, yeah, yeah I remember we, we talked about that work, the the artist and the work. And after seeing images, it was like, oh my god, like no, you know, and, yeah. and you can tell it's something where you're like, you know, I think it 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 um, you know, say what she, you want about she's the, had
0: she's had a lifetime to think about veganism, and she and makes just art that feels yeah. like someone that just discovered veganism.
1: Yeah, and as we all know <laughs> within uh, as we all know within within uh, I think this 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 uh you know the context we live in it's like maybe veganism isn't the right answer and actually it's damaging not to diss on people's diets because there's clearly reasons and I and I you know do you but mm-hmm. if you're like the vegan teacher there's a problem you know that one TikTok person who's like the worst mm. or if you're like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss on anybody who's vegan that's not nice but Uh I also just think it's like we
0: have we have vegan friends
1: yeah I I absolutely but I (laughs) I, it's it's not like it's 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 something where I think I'm trying to remove speaking about veganism because that's not the point it's more like
0: you're trying not to say they're one of the good ones
1: no 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 no. I (laughs) meant I meant more like it's the it's the uh, ah it's it's the problem of taking a quote unquote political stance or whatever as a artwork and really not delivering conceptually it's in in, in this case of this work we're talking about and you see this throughout with other people's careers right like it's a simplistic approach that ends up falling flat because as soon as you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you know what it is i think it's it's the and this may be one of the recipes for making something pretty terrible is Mm -hmm. being so certain so absolutely certain in what you're doing no matter what it is and just delivering and when somebody criticizes you or maybe says hey you might want to think about this a little bit more they Mm -hmm. immediately have backlash and they're like no i I did this amazing thing like you can't say that it's like you see that with a lot of like um you know people especially like white artists who want to be like making political work so they show black bodies and there's a huge Mm -hmm. problem with Mm -hmm. that to be honest in terms Mm -hmm. of like in terms of showing black pain and other things and also just like understanding your own lens and where you come from i think is important because i think if anything we've learned from like the whole gen x color doesn't exist thing to now be like cultures are different and it's important to be tolerant of them not to just say we're all the same because who's saying we're all the same you know Mm -hmm, who are you relating mm -hmm. that to but that's just my side rant about why that art was like yikes to me personally right yeah um, of that type yeah
0: i mean you and i both value doubt a lot some sort of inner conflict in your in your um convictions Mm -hmm. and like And honestly, that was the thing that I have always looked to like Bruce Springsteen, Mm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, I've talked about him a million times here, but his work (laughs) means so much to me because of his power as an editor. And Uh, I think, and, and cause you can listen to Bruce's albums and then, you know, like decades later, he'll end up releasing all the songs that didn't end up on that album.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And
0: that, that is a whole other part of the work. And you realize that it is like, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like an, I like the ego iceberg, like that you are yeah. seeing the tip of it. And then there's all these other things that contribute to what people actually see. And that's, mm-hmm, that's the thing mm-hmm. that I find fascinating about bruce's work as a whole and that's the thing that i try to impress upon people when you know i think there's a bit of an eye roll when you say bruce springsteen is your favorite artist Uh, but that that's that's why he is to me because you can look at his work as 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 a proper body of work and yeah then i but that being said as i just said you know i don't you know, it's hard to ever subscribe to anything 100%. Sure. There are periods where Bruce missed the mark a little bit. Um, Yeah. And the 90s. uh, uh, Mullet, ponytail, mustache Bruce.
1: Uh, That's a look.
0: Yeah, Bruce Bruce had a couple of good songs in the 90s, but I think most people largely ignore that period. It's like, Mm. aside from Aside from Tunnel of Love, which came right after he uh, broke up the E Street Band, which had been kind of his classic band for the first seven albums, which like to wow. a lot of people are like the gospel, like right. that those those seven albums, uh, Greetings from Asbury Park through Born in the USA, those are just kind of considered like his perfect works of art, and then and then you have Tunnel of Love, which was I think. Now, people look at it and are like, actually, this was this was the thing he had to go through all of those things to get there. And that is, you know, a a, a properly held masterpiece. It alienated, I think, yeah. some of his fans. But then I think later into the 90s, he was more like preoccupied, like raising his kids, you know, sure. sure. <laughs> <Parent> <laughs> and like, you know, ha- having like married life and stuff. Uh huh you know comes back uh with the the rising in 2002 after 911 and the rising is you know mostly in response to uh 911 right uh magic later as a response to uh George Bush sending troops into Iraq um and Afghanistan uh working on a dream again st- starting to fumble again not a it's just like it's just it, it just doesn't mm. it it again feels like what what is that part of him that occasionally disappears in the editing process yeah it's and i think it you know a bit of a comeback again with wrecking ball but uh wrecking ball i thought was solid western stars i actually really liked uh his sort of like you know country orchestral country concept album whoa uh and then his most recent letter to you especially the lead single fell absolutely flat to me oh no! and i'm like listening to this and i'm like I don't, this is the thing that frustrates me. This is a long way of saying, it's like, I don't know where to place this song because it is the it is the lead song, it's the title song, and it feels like an unfinished idea. It's just, mm. yeah, you, you sure wrote that letter to that person, Bruce. <laughs> oh no. You know, and I just, and I feel, this is the thing, if there's someone great, you suddenly feel weirdly guilty and almost like secondhand embarrassment when they put out something that is not good
1: i yes i think you capture that feeling really well because i I, I can never quite put my like finger on it so to speak right Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. why there's like a disappointment there the disappointment i think it's also just like in understanding like one it takes an insane amount of work to make an album yeah. S- speaking of personal experience, it's a lot, uh-huh. and the editing process is incredibly important of of deciding right yeah. what you're going to include, and I think like everything is going to resonate or resonate with someone uh, different, right? So like uh-huh. someone might really like that new one a lot. I mean, I I don't I I doubt you know maybe <laughs> there's not that many people that do, but yeah. I, I still think it's interesting to think of in this way, and I feel like within the context of music right Mm -hmm. where you have an like i I, I, yeah within this context of music you have an option to like play and make concept albums and make experimental work and make like you know the one-off that you're just the passion project you want to pursue and maybe it'll be good and maybe it won't right but then you can make a new one and you can constantly keep like doing that and i Mm -hmm. feel like but I, i also think that this what we're kind of Also getting to within these like every single artwork we've talked about is also in a way the recycling of these works Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. are so much focused as the public like there's so much in the public eye or public sphere that I feel like we can then begin to nitpick it. So we're like I feel like people Mm -hmm. and all of us included are like waiting to find out yeah. the bad thing to tear it apart, right? right? Or to be like, and not to say that, like, I'm not defending certain things that deserve yeah. to be attacked. I think it's like, mm-hmm. like, I think, I think it's like, um, and this is a weird example that's mm-hmm. a little a bit of out of left field. But I think within like the Godfather trilogy, right, right. where you have the masterpiece of a movie because it is the second one is also amazingly good. It's so good, and then everybody kind of harps on the third one being eh, it's not great. And, there's, and I do that too, because I've seen them all. Awkward and, uh, kiss. Yeah. It. Yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, I don't remember it, and I keep it that way, right? Like, even when, like, I have to explain, like, because, like, I've seen The Godfather at a ridiculously young age, but my mom still hasn't seen it, and my sister's never seen it, which I never quite understood why they hadn't watched it yet, but whatever, we're getting to it. And... Because I always joke and be like, it's a pivotal Mm. Italian movie. You need to watch it. Even though it convinced all, I think, American Italians that to identify being Italian, you have to be in the mob, but whatever. I think that that's interesting, though, where you have a trilogy or a series of movies or a series of something. And when one doesn't hit the mark, it can damage the reputation of the whole thing. Except in The Godfather's case, right, they just ignore it. Like, everyone's like, the third didn't happen. And I think there's less hate on it now as there was. But I really do think it's rare in a case of having like a, an entire a series of something, right? Where all three or four or six are amazing. You know, look at Star Wars, for example. Or anything where there's a series of On something. the
0: contrary, I think it's perfect. <laughs> oh, God. It is I, Gandalfini. Oh? I'm the Italian... Godfather Wizard,
1: <laughs> I think your accent's a bit interesting there, Mister uh, Gandolfini. If I'm. Gabagool. Okay, well there it is. See. Now, now oh, that's fun. <laughs> oh, oh, great Wizard Gandolfini. What brings you to our realm <laughs> today?
0: I am here to defend the realm of Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> gabagool!
1: fly um, you, gabagool! Oh my God, I missed that part in the deleted scenes.
0: <laughs> it's in there somewhere in like the five-hour cut.
1: Yeah, for sure. Wait, I remember. Uh-huh. I wonder if that, if 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 the Great Wizard Gandolfini made an entrance in um the Italian School of Hogwarts in 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 um Giuseppe Stromboli. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the briefcase full of meatballs.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my god. Oh,
1: that's good. I, uh, uh, I've been watching The Sopranos recently in in twenty twenty one for some weird reason. It's
0: had a huge resurgence. I mean, talk about good. something that's been it's, recontextualized. It's honestly really good. I'm, yeah. I, I
1: can see why people like it. I'm into it yeah. very much. I, yeah. I think every time I, i be like watching it, and like somebody will walk in. It's like, what are you watching? Mm. I'd be like, The Sopranos. It's, it's, it's an, it's an obligated new jersey history that must be watched especially right, being italian right. you know we're watching the yes. people these are my people whether i yes, like it or yes. not
0: because <laughs> it's all about family
1: oh god now it's like yeah. those vin diesel memes man Ugh. oh god speaking of horrible pretty, i'm
0: pretty sure that's a psyop it is it is it is but with all of this i mean when you and I were in Venice, we got to see an entire retrospective of Luke Toyman, the, oh, yeah. the the painter, his work. And the the thing about it that I thought was interesting was there were a lot of works in there that it didn't necessarily feel like the greatest hits type of thing. Like, yeah. I almost feel like they deliberately left in some of his weaker ideas like some of the paintings like you read about like what he was thinking about and you know how how much he considered like the the source that he was painting uh from and then there's like that painting of like a rabbit like taken (laughs) with like night vision goggles yeah. And, you're, and he's like, right. I was thinking about, you know, uh, surveillance and, and 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 stuff and animals, you know, and you yeah. like, where are you? And another another pass there, Luke. Um, yeah. But, y- y- but, you know, like, I mean, something like The Sopranos that like uh, that brought out such a visceral reaction from people when it ended, you know, even like look at uh, like John Singer Sargent's work uh you know the, the the Madame X fiasco is perhaps more famous that you know sergeant uh paints the portrait uh and it causes a huge scandal uh at the the Paris salon and he has to leave the city and the oh uh and the woman who uh was the subject of it was like you know f- forever sort of lived with the shadow of that over her reputation and you know, but that wasn't the only time Sargent was not the beloved uh, painter, you know? He had other paintings that were not well received. I, and hmm. one that I kind of only heard about recently uh, the uh, the Mrs. Vickers. Oh. That he painted and uh, went on display in uh, 1884. Uh, just. Absolutely harsh, harsh reviews. Uh it was it was voted the worst painting of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. That, huh. And you know, we look at it now and I don't think it's his strongest piece for a couple of reasons. I think it doesn't have the loose spontaneous freedom that uh that characterizes his pieces his stronger works it doesn't have the uh you know that that slightly askew feeling of right you know not not only the naturalism but also like some more sublime feeling that there is something more unsettling going on behind this idyllic look there's just like it just kind of seems like he was going for straight naturalism and you realize mm. that there's m- when you see it, you realize that there is more to Sargent's work than the fact that he paints about as close to perfectly as possible. Yes, yeah. And and it's suddenly when you see the bad example, you realize why everything else is so great. And mm-hmm. Madame X, I think, is remembered as maybe his masterpiece. And this one, I think, it dis- despite its initial controversy, and Mrs. Vickers is not is more of a footnote because we remember the great stuff and Agreed. you know again he had the privilege of being a an artist that you know got to outlive the misstep you know in a way that Shanae O'Connor did not you know and there's right. certainly like levels of sexism and other powers that be that play into that it's just interesting like the the artists that people are willing to wait on to prove themselves. Mm, mm. Um, I heard this, I heard this story like third hand, but it still fascinates me to this day. And it's a professor of mine who knew a guy who knew a guy who worked with Einstein in sort of the later days of his life. Oh, wow. Or basically worked at the same university. Gotcha, gotcha. And okay. He worked there uh at the same time as Einstein, also worked uh in science, and was like, I work at the same place as Einstein. I'm going to schedule a lunch with him and I'm going to look at what he's working on right now and so that I know what to talk about, so that I'm prepared, you know? Fair enough, yeah. And, yeah, and the guy it reads his stuff and it's like, This is actually quite bad. Oh. Um, and that what Einstein was working on was not of any importance at that time. Einstein was just kind of coasting on his career of being Albert fucking Einstein.
1: I mean, yeah, sounds about right.
0: And, you know, you kind of can't blame him, maybe in a certain mm-hmm. sense. Like, how, how do we know that we would behave any different? But my professor's takeaway from this and from talking to these people was that there's not necessarily any such thing as a genius. Mm. That the idea of an artistic genius or a science genius, you know, however intertwined those two may be, that it doesn't really exist, that there is no singular person who is a genius, but rather there are people that are possessed by genius for some point of time. And mm. there was a moment in his life that Einstein was possessed by genius, and then there was a moment that he wasn't. Uh, and he could still stand atop all of his accomplishments, uh, but not not have that same in it type of uh that same uh type of spark.
1: Mm. Right.
0: And that that's not to say, you know, that we need to be terrified of that type of thing, because I think there's a lot of people who are afraid. There are so many artists that are afraid. If I let myself be happy, I lose that spark of inspiration. If I stop doing drugs, I will lose my creativity. And that's a real fear that a lot of us Mm -hmm. have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if there's any one answer to that. Like how do you perpetuate those things? But also maybe sometimes they're not meant to be perpetuated because they're not sustainable. Maybe yeah. producing great work all the time is not sustainable. Maybe the people that died young that we romanticize just didn't get a chance to fail because, you know, mm. their 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 narrative got cut short uh and then there's people with long careers that we get to look back and see when they had it and when they didn't it's incredibly complicated and nuanced i think to every single uh person's story but but that 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 idea has always stuck with me like that whether it's true or not i i I'm tantalized by the idea of being possessed by genius that it's not some internal factor but almost some ineffable external factor. I
1: think I think it's a great way to look at it actually. Mm-hmm. I think that's a solid viewpoint to have. And you know what? It's also very humanizing. Yeah. And it's very in a way it makes you relax a little bit, right? Yeah. Like cuz you're never, you know, one is never going to make or mm-hmm. you're never going to make hit after hit after hit forever it's impossible yeah but yeah. Th- when the inspiration takes and there's that you know that that genius takes hold so to speak as if it's like a yeah. a, a possession you know mm-hmm. it 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 just happens and it works yeah. and you don't need to constantly we don't i don't think we need artists who are always making great works right because it's you know a great work doesn't mean that it, it's it's commodifiable or it's something that sells for the most amount of money it's it could be something that benefits or it could be positive or you know in certain cases maybe even negative depending right like it mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. supposed to leave an impact and i feel like in, in looking at it this way and in, in, mm-hmm. and in all honesty how how yeah. we've been having this conversation i think it's a good way and in, in in looking at this and looking yeah. at even bad art right that yeah because good art takes so much production right and so much of making quote-unquote bad stuff
0: what we also are living in a time where we have to reconcile the idea that bad people made good art
1: yes yes this too. it
0: also like i think for me at least allows me to allows me to consider that because art almost saves those people for a moment because they Uh made something better than they were, you know? Uh, It's like, it's like, I mean, even going back to Hamilton, you know, the thing about the story of the founding of America is not, you know, American exceptionalism or anything. The thing that I think that I, that I feel any kind of, uh, feeling for at all is the idea of intensely flawed people coming up with uh a world an idea a vision that they themselves were not ready for yeah interesting just like these moments where where people come together and something is made that is is separate from their almost separate from their personal lives even though you know i don't think we can separate art from the artists in the way that you know we we ideally would in a death of the author type of world Mm. it's uh it's it's certainly more complicated from that than that i just think that there's uh there's like some other kind of external that's that's very difficult to Fully describe uh, in 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 that case, and I think is mm. why we keep coming back to that story, even if it does get you know washed with a bunch of you know bad nationalism and and patriotism and and just sort of blind loyalty. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's there's there's a lot to <laughs> kind of interrogate about all of that. Uh, yeah, um, for sure yeah but you know i mean even as like you're fully also fully capable of making great things that are very commercially successful you know uh george lucas you know has not had a great track record outside of uh star wars and indiana jones it's true yeah and uh i actually wanted to take this moment at the end of our tour today to you guessed it we're back Oh, welcome, Joe! Welcome back, returning champion to JFK or JOK? Oh my God! Oh, gee, oh, hi. Yes, yes. How's
1: it feel to be back? You nervous? I'm. Yes, I did not expect champ. this. Reigning champ. Oh, Reigning champ. What a title!
0: Yes. So, uh, for those of you just joining us, JFK or JOK? Uh, Joe has to guess whether or not a film that I present to him has a higher or lower audience score rating than the Zapruder film, which, again, for those of you that don't know, is the archival footage of JFK getting shot.
1: Jesus.
0: So, uh, the score has changed slightly since last time. Okay. So, audience score of the Zapruder film, up to Mm. 71%.
1: Okay, solid C, solid C. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So, let's start, let's start, um... Star Wars One, Phantom Menace. Below, you are correct. Audience score fifty nine percent. Yeah, not great. Not a great film. Mhm, mhm. Now, uh, let's let's shake it up a little bit. Ooh, okay, all right. Not well received at the box office, but uh, you know, very loyal fan base. Truly underappreciated, underrated film. Annihilation. Natalie Portman, based off the uh, Jeff Vandermeer novel. Uh, what do you, where do you place Annihilation, above or below the Zapruder film?
1: I'm going to say above.
0: I'm so sorry. No. Annihilation, the very good uh, sci-fi thriller, uh, comes in at 66% oh, audience score. Higher tomato meter. Critics liked okay. it. Audiences did not, unfortunately.
1: Like, I guess that makes sense. Ah, mm-hmm, oh, damn.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, okay, okay. You ready for this next one? I think so, I think so. All right. Returning UCM favorite Theodore Rex from 1996, starring Whoopi Goldberg and a dinosaur, where do you put the audience score for Theodore Rex?
1: I'm gonna say below.
0: You are correct! Yes! Theodore rex is at an 18 percent audience (laughs) score and a zero percent on the tomato meter
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) all right all right now all right we're uh going to uh shake it up a little bit again now this is a movie that not a lot of people know about this is uh widely held as like one of The thing that Steven Spielberg has tried really hard to get people to forget, it has a bit of a cult following now, Mm. uh, but the film 1941, where Steven Spielberg attempted to make a star-studded cast comedy about World War II. Right. 1979,
1: 1941. Mm. Has Dan Aykroyd in it. Has
0: Treat Williams in it. Has Christopher Lee in it. Oh my God. Star studded cast.
1: Hmm. I'm going to say it's below.
0: You would be correct. Yes. Nice. 48%. Yeah, that's what I Mm -hmm. thought. Now. Okay. Let's see. Let's see how Joe can do with this last one. Oh boy. Now, this is a 1995 adventure comedy starring someone who, again, has made questionable choices in his career. Jim Carrey. Oh. Ace Ventura, colon, When Nature Calls. Oh, no. Okay. So, not the first Ace Ventura. Not the first. The second Ace Ventura, which... Doesn't have the transphobia, but I think we can agree is the worst movie. Right.
1: <sighs> I'm going to go with below.
0: Ooh. Joe, 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 Joe. Ace Ventura, when nature calls is get this. One percent higher no, in I the knew. audience oh, score.
1: I knew it was going to be a close. So one. if you're,
0: so if the audience, if you're trying to decide, will the audience enjoy getting to see <laughs> beloved American President JFK being assassinated <laughs> next to his wife uh, while oh. on parade in Texas? One percent of audiences will enjoy Ace Ventura when nature calls. More.
1: <laughs> oh my
0: God. oh Ugh. Yeah. Now there might be a bit of statistical bias. That seventy-two percent is based off of about a quarter million ratings. Uh, only about uh, p- uh, less than fifty ratings uh, for the Zapruder film. So, uh, mm. if people want to go and rate it, uh, <laughs> can, can, can continue to make this incredibly tasteless segment more interesting. I,
1: I mean, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we can certainly agree. Some art's pretty good. Some of it is, uh, you know, less good. I mean, it's like
1: all right. You know, some of it's all right. Some of it's not Uh great. Some
0: of it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you ever, uh, are are you familiar with Gary Larson's uh, most uh, hated comic? I don't think so. Gary Larson made this comic called Cow Tools, and uh I thought I would be remiss if I did not mention it uh in closing today. Mm. Of Cow Tools Gary Larson said Cow Tools episode is one that will probably haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh no. A week after it was published back in 1982, I wanted to crawl into a hole somewhere and die. Jesus. Mhm. It uh it's it's an odd cartoon it's kind of straightforward it's just a cow standing in front of a bunch of crudely made tools and it just says cow tools
1: i'm looking at it now and i'm just so perplexed
0: (laughs) i mean gary larson would get a lot of people writing in about his comics he's also enclosed some uh particular uh letters to the editor Hmm. The Far Side, a single panel cartoon by Gary Larson, obviously went too far to the side some time ago and threw a great chunks of the populace into paralytic confusion. (laughs) Oh my god. I asked 37 people to explain the cow tools cartoon of last week, but with no luck could you help said one reader in California Oh no. Enclosed is a copy of the quote cow tools cartoon. I have passed it around I have posted it on the wall conservatively some 40 odd professionals with doctoral degrees and desperate disciplines have examined it No one understands it even my six-year-old cannot figure it out. We are going back bonkers please help what is the meaning of cow's tools what is the meaning of life
1: it's existential truly when looking Mm -hmm. at it it makes me question reality and my own existence
0: i mean it did for gary larson which is why i think (laughs) it's also an outstanding uh piece of art to look at to look at gary larson's cartoon a man who for like a decade had to come up with a joke a day
1: yeah, Jesus.
0: You, you know that 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 must that must be an interesting experience as a person.
1: I can't even imagine, man. That's a lot yeah. of pressure.
0: I mean, we can barely be funny uh once a week. I mean, yeah,
1: it's a struggle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a
1: real labor of love.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we're so glad that for some reason uh you fine folks keep showing up uh yes. to to enjoy yeah, well, yeah, wow. I I, I, cool. I, think we had an interesting conversation today. Yeah, a little looser, th- a little fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there was a lot of interesting things hit on, and, you know, mm-hmm, I always mm-hmm. just find it interesting, and we finally got to have a little bit of the Bob Dylan conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I debated really hard whether or not we talk about uh, Hitler's paintings. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 If we, if we could like I would I would I would legitimately love like a critique, like a formalist critique of Hitler's art.
1: Yeah. That that might that have be to be a
0: thing we do one day. Okay. Yeah. Um well, I guess we'll we'll save that torment for another time <laughs> for sure. Yes, never forget ladies and gentlemen. Um so what do we got going on, Joe? What's what's happening? What's happening in uh in that world of yours in JoJo world in JoJo's bizarre adventure? I, in, yeah, I in JoTown. <laughs> I knew
1: you were gonna say that. And I was like, that's a fitting <laughs> title. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still you know one of the artists in residence with SVAs, the artist Project artist residency project i forget the firma title but it's the sva residency for art for artists that's been a lot of fun been making some new works and i'll be excited to share those eventually um it's been a lot of fun and it's so good making new projects with a you know a different perspective and yeah so that's been going well um and i will of course society
0: be... of vine acupuncturists what I was trying to think <laughs> oh of, uh, oh for
1: SVA, I was like what the heck where did you what is happening um school f- no society and then it would be like society of vengeful acrobats
0: mm, yes yes
1: that's the true title they don't tell you but, about you
0: know I feel like in, in an acronym like that you would want to keep the O because it gives you a vowel and you can have SOVA
1: oh oh SOVA That's nice.
0: Isn't that a good acronym?
1: That's a good acronym. It's like I feel like that's a soft drink or like a fancy water. Like, yeah. What are you having today? You must be having Sova. Sova. It's mm -hmm. nice. And I mean, it technically is School of Visual Arts. So there you go. Mm, Okay. Mm. Maybe I'll pitch it. I'll pitch it to them. Great. Great. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. That's pretty much it on my end. How about you, Zan?
0: Um i have some uh projects in the works that i can't quite announce yet so exciting! um but i believe uh people will be listening to this uh i will be at the dino shindig in ecolaca montana having a grand old time uh hopefully uh playing at the pitchfork fondue um yeah, I had I I want to thank uh thank everybody for the support of the museum. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh and of course our art. We've been having a great time uh in- incorporating our practice into into this uh into this show, into the museum yeah. itself. Yeah. definitely. And we have uh a special guest a a very cool episode planned next week. Mhm. Um, and we're excited to have them on. We'll leave it a mystery for now, but yeah. but yes, please join us next time uh, for a very exciting, I'll just say field expedition. Ooh, ooh,
1: mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be definitely a time, and we're super excited to be doing this, so yes. thank you all again for your support and for following us and listening to us through these tours. It means a lot truly oh
0: yes yes it does yes it does um you know we appreciate anyone that wants to listen to me talk about bruce springsteen <laughs> for i think i get 20 minute slots yeah uh, that's about right um yeah but that's you know
1: we always yeah. like to hear it and i learn something new about bruce springsteen every time mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yes um well uh if you want to follow the museum after hours we are at uncanny museum on twitter we love getting suggestions and corrections supplemental information all that good stuff on there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we are also at uncanny county museum on instagram uh where we keep you uh loaded up with hot fresh memes yes 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 Let's see. You can find me at Xanasaurus on Instagram.
1: And you can find me at at Josemino Art on Instagram.
0: We want to thank you again for stopping by mm-hmm. our humble little museum today. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters.
1: And I've been Josemino.
0: Bye. Bye. Goodbye.